Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. I'm, of course, your host, Colin. And in case you don't know, that was Bruce Springsteen. And I played Santa Claus Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen for two reasons. The first one, this is the last episode, like actual episode of the show, I'm going to produce before the holidays. So next, well, not next week, at this point, Saturday. Saturday of this week, I will be releasing my conversation with Mike Maleskako episode's already produced, it's been sitting on the shelf for about a week, so I'm, I'm done after I release this episode. The second reason I chose to play Bruce Springsteen to open the show is because I wanted to declare war on New Jersey hockey. What's that? War were declared. There were people in New Jersey that if they were to hear my opening to this podcast would track me down and slap me in the face with a white glove and declare a duel. And I'm here for it. I'm here for the smoke. I want the smoke, so I did it. Um, I can't get much into the games, because there have been quite a few since the last time I spoke to you. It's been a week, and in that time, the Carolina Hurricanes have defeated the Seattle Kraken. All at home, by the way. But they defeated the Seattle Kraken 3-2. to They defeated the Dallas Stars 5-4. to They defeated the Pittsburgh Penguins 3-2. to And last night, they defeated the New Jersey Devils that take the top spot in the Metro, 4-1. to one. The last 12 times the Hurricanes have been called to the rink, they have walked away with at least a point. The last 12 times. It's been a great homestead. Unfortunately, it ends tomorrow when we take on the Penguins in Pittsburgh. Boo! Imagine like a crowd booing. Boo! I didn't want to have to get the sound effect. I don't want to delay this for too long, so let's get into the episode. 9,393 days of frustration, and on the 9394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. I apologize to anyone who only listens to this show for game breakdowns. Honestly, not the podcast for that. Um, because... We will not be doing that this episode, quite simply. It's been a full week, and I have a lot of news to talk about. And then next week, I'm sure when I come back, I'll say the same thing. So, sorry. But we're going to start with Don Waddell getting his 500th career win as an NHL general manager. He's just the 34th general manager to achieve it, along with other former 
franchise GMs, so we're going to include the Whalers in this, like Jimmy Rutherford, Brian Bork, who is a GM in Hartford for a single year, did not go well, look into it, and uh, Emily Francis? I, I don't remember the guy's name. It's Francis something. Emily? Emily? It's something like that. Either way, all of them have also gotten 500 career wins as a general manager, and two out of the three in Rutherford and Francis are also NHL Hall of Famers. But that's not what I wanted to focus on. In fact, I originally wasn't planning to talk about this this week at all, because it's, you know, it's covered during Game Podcast. I tweeted about it, it was on Instagram, like, it's all over the place, everyone knows this. And then I listened to Rod Brindamore get asked about Waddell achieving this, and I, I knew I had to do it. So, just very quickly, I want to run into that Don Waddell was the general manager in Atlanta for the Thrashers for their entire existence. All 13 seasons, I believe. It might have been 12, but I'm going to say 13 here. And in that time, he got 308 games, which is not a lot for his win-loss record. Uh, you know, I'm not going to put it on Don. Ownership wasn't great, whatever. Team's no longer there. We're going to move past that, but... 308 of his wins came as the general manager of the Thrasher. And in just under, actually, this is his fifth season, in Carolina, he has 192. Yes, I checked the math myself. That does, in fact, equal 500. The reason I wanted to talk about it is I wanted to talk post-game, 500th win. The incredible Hannah Yates is in the locker room in the press scrum with everyone, and she asks Rod, hey, so what does it mean for the organization to have someone like Don Waddell at the top. He's been great. Great to work with. Great to have him around. Um, you know, I think he's got a real good feel for how to handle all this because there's a lot that he has to handle and deal with, and he knows what to, you know, keep away from here and let us do our thing. And um, I think because he's been around the game so much, he's got a good reputation, which that helps. And, and at the end of the day, he's just a good, good dude. Like, everybody sees that. And... You know, that's, that's what Rod's supposed to do. He's a great guy, which he, from all reports, is. From everyone I've ever met, Don is actually a great guy. And he's done good things for the organization, because you look at the results, and he's done good things for the organization. None of that is why I wanted to talk about this press scrum. None of that is why I dived into all of this. This next part, and I apologize in advance, because I do not re- recognize this reporter's voice at all. They asked a question. You know what? I'm not even going to set it up. Just listen. Just listen. Do you feel guilty that you would have gotten a 500 sooner if you guys hadn't beat the shit out of the Thrashers? <laughs> I told him that you got 500 wins, but it took you 3,000 games to get it. <laughs> that is absolutely the most ruthless thing I have ever heard Rod Brindamore say about anything ever. Like, I heard it and was like, well, there's no way the team's going to release this. This is not... Like, of course, it's, you know, a little biting humor. It's not going to hurt anyone. But, oh my god, Rod! What what are you doing? And before I get too far away from this exact press scrum, it's funny. Rod would do press scrums and absolutely no news is created. And then Rod will do press scrums and a lot of news is created. It's almost like he likes toying with the media. Or he just really doesn't like it, and then sometimes he's useful. You can go whichever way you want. It's a choose-your-own-adventure type of story. He was asked about Anderson, which he almost always is, and this is what he had to say. Um, he's getting feeling better. I, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you. It's kind of we're kind of waiting on when he feels like he can play. Is so. this similar to the playoffs in that respect? Uh, 
No, I don't. I, I, okay. Well, tough. It's just tough when a goalie because if you don't feel exactly right, it's just you can't go in there. So a player can play through little things. Goalies, just, it's a little different. So I think he's getting closer. And you know, this is this is information we've had for a while. So no one should be shocked by it. Except that before the team boarded a plane to Pittsburgh, and I will preface this by saying I don't know if Anderson was on the plane to Pennsylvania. But in practice, prior to that plane trip, Freddie Anderson was in net for the wide majority of practice. Kochekov didn't practice, he got a day off, and Ranta was in the other end. But Anderson stayed in net and had honest-to-God work in net throughout practice. I never want to tell you to read into anything, and I realize that's kind of what I'm doing right now. But it is a very good sign that Anderson had such a large workload in practice. There is something to say that Anderson hasn't been in net in an actual game since November 8th, I want to say. It was either the 8th or the 7th. So if he does come back, I don't know if he's going to jump right back in our lineup. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go down to the American League for a couple games for a conditioning stint. First of all, the Wolves could definitely use that goaltending. And, you know, NHL game action is hot and heavy, and you don't want to just throw a goalie into that situation when they're just trying to come back from something. I know the hot story right now is what is going to happen with Coach Chekhov when Freddie Anderson comes back, or we can trade Aranta, and I've already talked about this on numerous occasions. So one, I wrote a piece for Home Ice Advantage, the blog, link down below, um, and then I talked on the Storm Cellar with Ray and Brad about it, and I don't, you can't trade Freddie or Ranta because both of them get injured too much, and you're not going to send Kochekov back down to the American League. So the only real good option here, it's not a perfect option, but the only good option, the best option available to the team, is to run with three goaltenders for us this season. If you want to hear more about why I feel that way, go ahead and listen to The Storm Cellar with Brad and Ray, or you can always read my piece on the blog. Again, link down below. From here, I want to talk about Sebastian Ajo, who once again came up in this press conference, and once again, there was developments on it after the press conference. But much like with Freddie Anderson, I don't know if Sebastian Ajo got on the plane to travel up north. The question Brindamore is about to respond to is if we'll see Ajo back in game action anytime soon. If we would have had more time in between games here, I'd probably see him in there, but we haven't had any practice time. Yeah. Since he made that statement, believe it or not, I know it's going to be a shocker, the Hurricanes have had practice time, and Sebastian Ajo participated in said practice. In fact, he not only was one of the first skaters on the ice, but he was one of the last skaters off the ice as well. I'm not saying that it's a guarantee Ajo will be in the game against Pittsburgh. What I am saying is that there was a good chance he will be back in that game against Pittsburgh. Would I bet my house on it? No. If I had a few bucks laying around, sure. Why not? I think I have been outspoken when it comes to Pyotr Kurchekov's nicknames. Cooch? Fine. Coochie? Not fine. We're not going to relitigate the argument. I just don't like Coochie. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that, that works in two ways. If you know, you know. Um, but that got really, that really threw me off. I'm sorry. 
But Trip Tracy coined another nickname, which I think is better than what any of us could have come up with. And it was Mike Maniscalco has already admitted for his fault that this was Trip Tracy. So if you're crediting the list on Mike Maniscalco, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Mike Maniscalco, when Kochekov has been making saves for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now, has been saying, Kochekov makes a save, net! Or, you know, whatever. Uh, Crosby takes a shot, net! Goes Kochekov. He makes the save. I'm not going to do a Mike Maniscalco impression, mainly because I can't. But he's been using the Rus- Russian word for no in his play-by-play calls. It's been a good time. I actually very much enjoy it. I actually like Mike Maniscalco, and don't choose to tear him down just because I miss John Forslin or Chuck Hayden, because I'm not a monster. Speaking of monsters, we've actually been hiding a comedy monster, if you will, in the organization for decades now. The most underrated part of our organization is the comedic talents of one, Trip Tracy. And we could go back, he... When he first originally got the role, he used to do these comedy sketches. You can still find a couple of them on YouTube. They're pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. It was his turn on what Maniscalco was saying of the Niet, where Trip Tracy calls him the speech impediment here, Russian. Not a good mix, but the Niet Mindor. There we go, I said it. Anyways, and that that's amazing. I don't want any other nicknames except... Yet, minder. If anyone gets the mantle to give people nicknames, it's Trip Tracy. Think Big Rick or Will the Thrill or, I mean, there was a ton of them. I'm not against all of them here, but if anyone gets the final call on a nickname, it's Trip Tracy. So, the Nyet minder it is. And the reason I wanted to talk about Kochekov so much and got off onto this tangent is because he is a BAMF. And I'm not going to define that here because I'm trying not to be explicit, but he is a BAMF. I opened the last episode of this show by saying that Kochekov has yet to allow a goal since the last time I spoke to you. And sadly, that shutout streak did come to an end. But not before Kochekov set the longest shutout streak by a rookie netminder, I'm sorry, netminder, in franchise history. 151 minutes and 26 seconds is good enough for the 6th longest shutout streak in franchise history. His 1.94 goals against average is good enough for 2nd in the league. His 9.28 save percentage is tied for 3rd with Connor Hellebuck. He's tied for 2nd with 3 shutouts in the league. I, like, you know, everyone, everyone's gushing about this kid, and they rightfully should. And it, it's so rare that you get to see a storyline like this. Him climbing onto the bench when Slavin was giving the uh, post-game, you know, four-star interview was amazing. His Russian is not, I mean, sorry, his Russian is there. He's incredibly fluent in Russian. That's the problem. But his English isn't there yet, which is fine. It's very hard language to learn. Absolutely no judgment. But the energy of him climbing on the bench... And listening to Slavin, and it seems like he might have understood what Slavin was saying with all, oh no, when Slavin was like, oh, it's all Kuchekov. It's It gives me the same energy as Mike Maniscalco on the bench with Peter Morazic, you know, welcoming him into the playoffs. It's the same type of energy. 
It's this kid is electric. This kid is so fun to watch. And I keep saying this. Actually, I don't know if I've ever said it on this podcast, but I've said it a bunch of other places. Kochekov is the same age today that Cam Ward was when he won his Stanley Cup. I'm not saying that means he's got to do it. Just putting that out there. Kochekov is the same age today as Cam Ward was when he won his Stanley Cup. And I don't think I have to remind anyone that Kochekov has already won a Calder Cup. He's had that championship experience, I'll give you, in a minor league, but a championship experience, no less. And speaking of that minor league, Dylan Coughlin is back up in Raleigh after his conditioning stint in Chicago. In five games, Coughlin collected two goals and an assist for a total of three points, all of which came the last three games before coming back to Raleigh. Coughlin is so interesting to me because I can't tell what the organization wants to do with him. If you have lost faith in him as a player, that's fine. That's your judgment call. You're allowed to make that decision, whether it's Raoul or Waddell or whoever. You can make that judgment call. But something has to change. And they have to wait until the 28th now. That's when the holiday roster freeze lifts. But on the 28th of December, they have to do something. They have to play him, like give him some amount of ice time or and this is what I feel like is more likely, send him somewhere where he can. If you, okay, he's not going to make it with the big NHL club, try to trade him. Maybe someone else will take him and use him. No one wants him, send him through ravers. If no one wants to take him for free, well, then he gets to play in Chicago. But either way, we have to let him play. We can't just keep him in the press box all season and then be shocked when he's not playing up to standards. I can already hear someone saying, well, you can't just send away an asset for nothing. And of course we can, actually. That's how we got him in the first place. Dylan Coughlin was part of the Pacioretty deal where we gave absolutely nothing to Vegas and they gave us Coughlin and Pacioretty because they don't know how to manage a cap. So it's not like if you give him away for nothing, all of a sudden, well, you've wasted the franchise's assets and will never win again because it cost us nothing it's it will literally be negligible kind of like the paper transaction the hurricanes did with jack drury that same day so if you looked on theahl.com which is the official website of the ahl it showed two transactions that day one coglin going up and the second jack drury going down and it left a ton of fans scratching their heads on what's going on. Well, you know, I thought Drew was playing well. He's been on the fourth line. Things have been solid. I don't understand why he's going back to Chicago. And to be fair, I had no idea either. I assumed it was some type of paper move. You know, I don't want to say they were trying to manipulate the cap or anything, but... um, And I, I reached out to a couple contacts, and they both just told me no comment in both organizations, which basically told me that, yeah, it was just a paper move and to leave me alone, please. You know I can't speak on this. So I did. And the next day he was called right back up to Raleigh and everything's fine. It was just a paper move, everyone. Stop freaking out because you see something on Twitter. I'm going to end today's episode once again turning back to a press scrum with, you guessed it, the head coach, Rod Brennamore. Except I love Rod... Well, actually... It's funny because 
we as fans, I'll include myself into this, and I'm trying to get better at it. We stay on the roller coaster. We we finish the ride. We get right back in it. We we go up. We go down. We scream. We throw our hands in the air. Ah, everything's fine, and we get off and we get back in line for the next game. And that's great. It's fun. That's part of being a fan. But as a member of the organization, you can't behave like that. As a member of the media, you can't behave like that. Because ultimately, it's an 82-game season. And, you know, if you go into the playoffs, guess what? You have to get 16 wins. So every game matters, of course, and you want to win. But at the end of the day, if you drop a random game in November... It does not matter. I'll tell you what, at the end of the year, if the Hurricanes go on a run, no one's going to talk about their 4-0 loss to the Arizona Coyotes. And Rod Brindamore put that in words in a press scrum following the game against New Jersey. The first clip of audio you're going to hear is actually him responding to a reporter on how important it is to have a streak like this during the season. Well, it's a good point. It doesn't really matter when you get those long streaks, you'll take them. Whether it's the start of the year like New Jersey had, I mean, it sets you up to, to you know, not have the stress on you the whole, whole time. So you want to bank as many points. They count the same. Whether game one or game 82, they're two points. So, um, and the end of the day, nobody's gonna remember this game ten games from now. You know how we did it, so you you bank the points, you know, learn, try to get better, and that's kind of your approach. He was asked in a follow-up question if this streak, the twelve games with a point streak, gives him more confidence in his group and individual players. Well, I've always had confidence in the group. I mean, again, you know, twelve games. We don't look at it like that. It's like, okay, what was today? You know, and then tomorrow we'll talk about tomorrow. We're not talking about we got 12 or whatever, how many wins. You know what I mean? That's just not how we do it. Same if we were losing. Because what does that do you? Worrying about what's past. You either get, you know, lazy or feeling good about come off or you're feeling down and it's not helping you for today. So we go in, we try to, you know, it's an old saying, let's win today. And that's the way we have to approach things. I'm not telling anyone not to ride the roller coaster. That is your right as a fan, and it's what makes the fan experience so amazing, is that you get to experience those highs and lows. I just wanted to point out that in no way should any of the players think that way, and in no way does their head coach think that way. I would add one small caveat to that, though. The last game they lost in regulation was that game against Arizona, where they were booed off their own ice. While I don't think, you know, Svechnikov is at home, like, oh my god, I can't believe we got booed, really got to do better next game. I do think after that game, sitting in the locker room, they all knew. That depth scoring that we had been missing was like, oh my god, yeah, this, this is the time. If there was ever a time to show up, it's now. And unluckily for us, Sebastian Ajo has been out for, what, six games now? We've won all six. It's it's not a problem. I mean, it is a problem. We'd love to have him back, but trade trade Sebastian Ajo. That's what I'm saying. Uh, just you know, I don't want anything. It can be for future considerations. He's holding back the team. So I just I just need to add that in for a certain sports blog to be able to keep writing pieces. The point is is that that loss got our depth scoring to come out, and that depth scoring has been there, whether it's. Jordan Stahl, Brady Shea, Stefan Nason, 
all of these pieces or depth pieces, Thorne, you know, they're not Jordan Stahl isn't paid to score goals. Do we want him to? Of course. Would we be upset if he scored less than like ten or fifteen a season? Of course. But ultimately, he's a checker. He's there to shut down the other team's top line. But he's been producing. Stefan Nason has been producing. Brady Shea, who is not an offensive defenseman, or at least wasn't until five or six games ago, is producing. If you want to point to any specific thing that has caused the team to go 12 games without leaving with a point, it's that depth scoring is showing up. Yes, Kochekov has been unbelievable, and he should win the Caldor, and if he keeps playing like this, will be in talks for the Vesna. But it's the depth scoring. You can't win a 0-0 game, but if Nason and Jordan Stahl scores on the same night, there is a very good chance that the Hurricanes are going to win that game. A very good chance. I'm going to play one more soundbite from Brad Brendamore and then have some news to talk about, and then we'll get out of here. The question Rod was asked was, does it feel good to be at the top of the Metro? It's, it's not a standings time for me right now. He just knows how to kill a buzz, doesn't he? Uh, I mean, it goes back to he doesn't look at stuff like that. He's just, you know, win the next game, win the next game, win the next game. But come on, Rod, let us celebrate. Little small thing before I start Brass Bonanza and we get out of here. The Home Ice Advantage blog i mean it's a substack but it's blog is a thing and i have written like 15 pieces on it now and very soon i will get to announce new writers there is currently three other people that will join the site and start writing it's gonna be a fun time please check it out it's linked down below or if you want to just go to any of our social media it's also linked there on a leak tree home ice advantage the blog it's gonna be fun check it out As always, thank you for listening to Home Ice Advantage. I truly appreciate it. You guys have given me some pretty dope opportunities. Uh, Follow the show. If you've already made it to the end, you might as well. Obviously, you like the content. You'll hear from me again on Saturday with my conversation with Mike Maniscalco. Mike and I talk about some things that I didn't foresee us talking about, and it's a different side than what you normally hear from Mike Maniscalco. So share with your friends. Don't forget to check it out. As always, I'll talk to you in the next one. Have a happy holidays and go Canes.